Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today, we're going to be talking about what to consider when we want to love other people during the holiday season. Bobby and I will be having a conversation about how we can become aware of hurting people during the holidays and what we can do to reach out and love to support and encourage them. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we had our buddy Tim on the show, um, and we were talking about ways to support people during the holidays um, and how ministries can position themselves well to create welcoming environments where people can feel kind of free to be there. And in particular, Tim emphasized connecting connecting relationships, so making sure that that uh, there were lots of relationships in, involved in a person's life. Yeah. That was fantastic advice. And so today we're just, you know, we want to take it a little bit further and talk about, you know, once we've established those relationships, what can we do person to person to connect with or encourage those people in our lives that are looking for some support during the holidays? And, you know, Bobby, I think it seems pretty obvious the holidays are a tough time for a lot of people. But, you know, sometimes we forget there's there's a this holiday season is really long. There can be a lot of emotions that are really high. There can be tension that's really high. And, you know, around the holidays, you can legitimately start to feel just really lonely, really isolated. Lots of people we walk by every day feel really lonely. And I mean, if you look at some of the data, loneliness can have really serious like health consequences mentally, even even physically. And obviously, when people are feeling isolated and alone, that can push us to do things or put ourselves in places to try to cure that loneliness that might not not actually be the best remedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we, we've talked before in, a, in other episodes about the, the different parts of a human. There's a, a physical part of us, a, a social part of us, uh, an emotional or mental part of us, and a spiritual part of us. And the holidays affect all of those parts. You know, physically, we, we are changing environments, like you mentioned, seasonal affective disorder. It has to do with a biological thing. It's, it's the fact that with less sun, especially the further north you get, there's less sunlight, you lack vitamin D naturally. You're covered up, your skin doesn't absorb it. And it has an effect on your energy level. And, you know, then there's there's social pieces. You're, you're maybe transitioning places, coming home from college or people are coming home to visit or, or whatever. There's social pieces and emotional pieces and spiritual pieces that, that are all a part of the holiday season. Sometimes it can be really hard to, to cognizantly um, or to become cognizant of those, those, those people that are really feeling that when, when it may not be our experience. Or maybe it is our experience and we think nobody else knows how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about different uh, kinds of situations. Um, let's like, let's, let's dive into it. So we're, we're talking on a global 30,000 foot level about like people in general are sad. Right. And I think what might be helpful for our conversation is just to talk about situations we've run into and potential situations to, to kind of be on the lookout for. Because for sure, one of the things that I have experienced is that, like you mentioned, we have this global message that this is the most wonderful time of the year. Right. And so if you don't agree, then you're immediately outsidered. And because you're immediately outsiders, you tend to isolate. And so something that already isolates you makes you feel more isolated. So in my experience in therapy, I have more no-shows this time of year. People actually don't show up. 
Um, and it happens at church too, in in ministry context where there's going to be a whole group of people and a lot more people will show up maybe for the Christmas Eve service or for certain things. But the people who are actually isolated that don't like this time of year tend to disappear and we don't notice because of all the chaos around us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you kind of touched on it there too. This year, especially there's just, there's so many extra factors that are isolating us. I know that specifically in a couple of ministries I've been in, there's been times where, you know, I've been speaking or I've been leading 30 or 40 or 50 kids and, you know, one or two don't show up for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden it's three months later and I haven't seen them because I've just been so busy that I haven't taken the time to really consider what's maybe going on in their life, you know, and if you reach out and they say, oh, I'm good. Well, are you, are you really good? And because I'm, I'm not calling just to check something off my box. I'm, you know, calling cause I really want to know how you're doing. And, um, I know that mistake is super easy to make. Well, more than just, um, lonely people, have you seen trends in terms of like, you know, here's the person that I often forget because I think maybe somebody else is thinking of them, or here's maybe a consistent thing I see where like these factors seem to make this type of person more maybe lonely or isolated around the holidays. Well, I think uh, in terms of trends, what I have seen year over year in our youth ministry was that the peak attendance month was always October, and then it would drop. And it actually kind of stays down. I, I see the holidays really as starting with probably Halloween and ending with Valentine's Day. I would say that's where I see it is there's a bunch of factors that all play into it. Winter, seasonal affective disorder. But then it's there's like this these layers of like kind of bashing people for being alone that, that happen all in a row. So you you have Halloween, which maybe you know is in its own bucket. I, I'm not I'm not sure. But then you follow it with Thanksgiving, and people are uh, expected to be grateful. And so if you're not grateful, you feel cynical. And then that's followed by Black Friday and Cyber Monday and this materialism bit. And then that's followed by Christmas, obviously. And so all of the togetherness. And then you're supposed to have New Year's where you start afresh, and you know you feel all the Yuck of that! Um, if if you know you're if you had a year like 2020, and then you, you know you're sitting in all of that depression and and seasonal affective disorder, and then somebody reminds you, oh, and you're alone. Here comes Valentine's Day. Yeah, and you just decided to try to get your life on track after New Year's, and then mm-hmm. eight days later <laughs> you realize that you, you can't. So it's, it's self defeating eight yeah. days into the year after everything else has mm-hmm. been been piling up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I think in terms of specific people, I think I think the first thing I notice in this season, at least in terms of individual stories, people have trouble with the travel and coming and the homecoming aspect of the holidays. So um there is a ton of anxiety buildup right now for for many people as they um as they think about going home, as they actually plan going home, maybe from college. Maybe it's a whole family traveling to see another family. Maybe they're the host family and there's people traveling to see them. But that that like preparation piece is the first place that I that I see it. I've had a couple of clients that that the actual trip in the car is the trigger. Like they get very, very anxious getting into a car to travel the the X number of hours to go home. And so I, I think that's something maybe a lot of us don't realize because we get excited about the road trip. 
Uh, not me, because I have little kids. I'm not sure anybody with little kids likes the road trip, but my kids love it. But not everybody does. For a lot of people, the the that is a, a memory of bad times. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that because, like you said, I'm usually going on road trips with my family, and that's you know not not enjoyable for the whole eight hour road trip, but seven and a half hours <laughs> out of those met eight. Your brothers, it's, it's you know it's, it's got to be enough. perfect. You guys are just like all <laughs> angels. Yeah, just sure, hanging out, sure. telling each other how great yeah. each other are. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that's how it appears to somebody outside of the road trip. But I'm thinking about, especially this year, like my grandparents who, you know, are in a tiny apartment and have been basically alone in a tiny apartment together for months at this point. And I mean, that's very specific to this year with COVID, but there's plenty of people, you know, in in cities, in suburban communities, even in rural areas where it's I have my house, I have my apartment Maybe my roommates go on to see their family. There's some reason I can't go. Or just over the course of that, you know, five-month period, you mentioned Halloween to Valentine's Day. They're finding themselves alone, you know, more and more on those important holidays. And I think one thing that's interesting, and I've noticed this in myself, is I've seen situations where I think, I really like this person. And they probably have something to do on this holiday because, like, I think they're really great. So I'm sure many other people do. So I'm sure they're invited to like two or three parties. So I'm not going to invite them to hang out with me and my friends because they don't know my friends. It might be awkward for them. And then all of a sudden I find out that they ended up getting left out and they feel really lonely because of my assumption. That Yeah, I also for sure think about my grandparents who um, like they are the most social people on the planet or they, ha- you know, they both have health issues. My grandma has COPD. And so they just can't go out, like they can't see people. And so um, here's a holiday that for them, they have hosted literally for 60 years that they, you know, they can't host. But yeah, like I think, I think in terms of all of those people who are lonely like that, and then, and then on the flip side, like um, there's a lot of extra homesickness, like in, um, you know, there's international students that are, um, that I know that are, that are right up the street at the university that usually would travel home, but maybe their home country is closed. Yeah. And then tagging onto that, you said homesickness, and I can think of multiple students, young adults, even, even older adults, um, middle-aged where it's going home is actually like you kind of mentioned earlier, that stressful situation. And so it's mm-hmm. going home and having maybe these things unsaid between family members or conflicts that have been you know, Mm -hmm. continuous for a number of years, or um, maybe just bad blood between people. Mm -hmm. I think that too can be, um, you know, can create a lot of anxiety because it's, oh, I have to reapproach the situation that I've found a way to get out of. um, Or I have to, you know, really pay attention to this, this situation that's been stressing me out. And that can be something where you feel sort of stuck, because it's, I go home and I'm alone, but I'm away from this stressful situation, or I'm here, not alone, but I'm I'm pretty stressed and I, I don't feel like I can actually, you know, be comfortable and relaxed and celebrate during during the holidays. And I don't feel like I have that legitimate loving community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it even goes there's there's steps deeper than that. I have um several clients and, and in ministry, um, there were many students that this is the season where they are around their abusers. They are around family members that are truly actually physically or emotionally dangerous and they're expected to put on a happy face to cover that up and so there's a lot of dread around going home 
there's a lot of triggers. I say that person is out of the picture. There's a lot of triggers, like memories of uh, abuse during this time. There's a lot of um, shame, I think, during this time of year where, you know, people regret past decisions, regret the way that they treated a relationship, regret the final words that they said to somebody. There's pressure to, for many people, just simple things like there's pressure to perform, there's pressure to clean your house, there's pressure to cook a good meal and not burn it. There, then there's um, there's pressure to talk with people or or find the right gift or all of those kinds of things. You're you're absolutely right. I think um, the family dynamics that many of us feel as positive things, it it is like literally putting any other negative emotion into a pressure cooker, you know, and turning up the heat and applying pressure, and it becomes something that's that's really 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 difficult to manage. Yeah, man, I hadn't even considered that the way you talk about, you know, things piling on top of each other and then and then feeling that pressure. But, you know, you've put into words what I mean, I felt that many times, you mm-hmm. know, going mm-hmm. and there's one or two or three or four things that are all convalescing and it's like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I just I forgot how stressful this one thing is and then these three things and then these four things mm-hmm. and then for it all to hit at the same time and to not be able to escape that mm-hmm. situation, whatever yeah. it may be is uh, just remarkably difficult and then um, to have to kind of try to fake it in the midst of that is very right, is very exactly. difficult as well exactly. yeah and and it's simple things like I I, um, I have a client who was telling me the story of um, receiving a gift and um, they received a gift that it just was really clear to them in the moment <clears throat> how they were not known that they're like, that the person who should have known them in the family bought them a gift that was completely not wanted, not helpful, not useful. And it was, for this client, it was a reminder of how outside of the family they were. And and so it can kind of trigger these kinds of past wounds. And especially if the people in our ministry, the people in our life, they if, if they haven't learned how to cope, this is the season where all of that spikes up. Like they just... We don't, we don't have the coping skills for uh, the rest of the year, and then we're in this pressure cooker right now to deal with this. As you're listening to our conversation, maybe you're thinking about people in your ministry who are going through difficult things and maybe you don't feel like you know how to respond to them, or maybe you're wondering how to identify those people in your ministry that are struggling. And that's exactly why Rally Point has created a coaching program designed for ministry leaders. When you sign up for coaching, you'll be connected with a coach who will help you walk through different situations and give you the tools you need to identify the people in your ministry that need your help. So if you're a leader who wants to help hurting students in your ministry, but maybe doesn't feel prepared or is anxious about saying the wrong thing, we think coaching can help. You can sign up for a time to talk to a coach at no cost today by visiting rallypointmen.com slash coaching. Yeah, well, that's good. And I wanted to kind of transition and talk about once we become aware of that and people who may not have uh, those coping skills or just people who do have those coping skills and it feels like it's too much, um, you know, I'm curious to hear and chat about what we can do. Have you had a time like that, Bobby, where you have become aware of someone who was really hurting and they just either approached you or you approached them just to really have one of those honest conversations about, hey, 
during this holiday season, what is really going on inside of you right now? Yeah, well, what I what I am experiencing right now, actually in real time, is preparing people for for their homecomings. So, uh, in in the in the therapeutic setting, we're trying to do some preparation uh, because yeah, people are are in that process, and so they're they're thinking through right now, um, thinking through what am I going to do when I get home. Or uh, really, most people are avoiding it. They're avoiding thinking about what they're going to do when they get home. So right now, we're actually in the stage of like avoiding the thought, but there's a ton of uh, like subconscious anxiety. So they come into a session and they start to uh, talk to me about something or other. And I realize like, oh, you're not talking like you usually do with the typical charm or the typical like display on your face that you would usually have. So what's going on? And when we dig down into it, it's a lot of anxiety about going home or about the holidays or about spending extra time with with certain family members. So yeah, I think the first thing that I that I talk about is like avoidance doesn't work. <laughs> like what that's going to do for us is it's going to delay the inevitable. You're going to deal with it one way or the other. Whether you go home or not, you're going to deal with all these feelings. And so my initial coaching in general is to start confronting the feelings and asking yourself, what do they mean? Why am I anxious? Can I name the things that I'm anxious about? Is it a certain person? Can I describe and figure out the triggers that are that are causing this? What what am I actually anxious about? Because most people feel that anxiety and have not articulated it. So that's hmm. that's um, kind of the beginning of the process uh, yeah. that, that I'm working through right now. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I know in my own life I've definitely done the avoidant thing and you talked <laughs> earlier about the pressure cooker and I just think like well I'm avoiding thinking about how intense it's going to be and how much pressure <laughs> or anxiety I'm going to be under yeah, and then so. by doing that I just I just pile it on myself mm-hmm. you know because then mm-hmm. it's like oh I could have dealt with this four weeks exactly. ago three weeks ago two <laughs> weeks ago one week ago on the drive up here and I just you know I've done whatever to avoid it and then it all comes yeah. comes crashing down right there yeah. and I know that's one of my own faults that I've had to work through through as well. Yeah. It is sort of the tension between I want to enjoy this time, but I just don't feel like I can. And that becomes um, really difficult. And so I think a big part of it is learning if enjoying uh, the holidays is getting together with those friends that don't stress you out as much as those family members, like finding some time to do that before you go into that stressful situation. Or if it's, you know, taking that drive alone for those five hours to prepare yourself doing that rather than driving up with the family. Or if it's, you know, everyone is going over to, you know, the aunt's big house on the lake or the grandparents' house where all our parents had their childhood homes. It's, hey, you know what? If you're, you know, old enough to do so, like, Instead of staying at the house, I'm going to save you guys some room, get a hotel room by myself. So I have that time to de-stress. I have that space for myself. And if it's the issue of isolation, it's actually saying, hey, do you mind if I stay with you so that I can mm-hmm. continue to be in this community? Yeah, I think that's the the real value in in taking the time to identify what the feelings are about. If we can, If we can identify what the feelings are about, we can start to create a roadmap. And so that's that's what I plan to to work with my clients through this 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 season right now is hey let's let's just create a roadmap together to deal with the things that that anxiety is about so you know it's it's different for every person cuz cuz there are people you know who are who are anxious about going home and seeing people there's a lot of people also dealing with like grief and loss 
And so it's it's actually going to a place where they're going to miss somebody more than usual or, you know, ha- having a tradition that maybe somebody played a key role and now there's a, a death or a divorce um, that's caused um, that that sense of loss. And so part of the roadmap might be giving space for sadness, giving space for lament, giving space for you know, those those negative emotions in the middle of all the happy emotions, like, oh, we still love this tradition, but we're really missing, you know, this person that, that used to play a, a, a key role in this. I, I think what I like to do is just talk it through as if the holidays are um, a road trip, whether there's actually a road trip or not involved, but like, let's create, you know, a road map, like we're going to go and do this and here are our options. And then you know, like, what are the what are the off ramps? Like, if there's times where, like you said, um, I just need some space alone. Um, who is my emergency phone numbers if I'm getting overstressed? Who can I call? You know, is there somebody in my in my church? Can you know, as a ministry leader, are you willing to be the person someone calls in the middle of the night, or is there a small group leader or another mentor or another adult that you could give that number to? Do people have you know the the crisis text line number seven four one seven four one or the suicide hotline number, or you know what do we need in terms of off ramps? What are the what are the exit plans and and even you know in, in terms of thinking through the family situation, maybe they're old enough to go get that hotel room or maybe they're too young and so how can you escape that pressure cooker uh, before you blow? Like <laughs> you know. Um, what does that roadmap need to look like in order for you to cope with the feelings you're going to feel? Yeah, I'm curious to hear more about that roadmap. I, I wanted to touch on something that I think is interesting that you said specifically for um, ministry leaders is this question of when are we off the clock, especially during the holidays, because the holidays are usually a time where people take work off, where they take rest, but you know, anxiety isolation, loneliness, some of those the grief, some of those feelings are never resting. And so, um, you know, I think it's important to consider for people who are doing ministry, who are trying to reach people who are who are hurting, you know, how do I position myself or what do I think about when I'm on the clock, when I'm off the clock and what it means to pastor or lead or love people in the congregation? You know, where do I need to draw boundaries? in terms of I'm giving too much of myself, but at the same time, you know, where do I feel like it's important to be that person or offer that service of being able to say, hey, you know what? Listen, I know this may be a really tough time for you and I'm not always going to be at church. I'm not always going to be in my office, but I do want to be available because I care about you and I, you know, I want you to know that you're not alone. Yep. Yep. Well, unfortunately, I've made both errors um, <laughs> I've swung both ways from the overboundaried pastor to the underboundaried pastor, and so I've I've definitely lived the experience of like, okay, I turn my phone off at six o'clock and I'm not available, and I missed out on some really fantastic ministry opportunities, and I hurt some people um, by being overboundaried, especially with the boundaries that I had, because I, I did at certain points say like. You know, I'm off the clock at six on these days, or I, I, like I'm off the clock at six. Like if, once I leave, I'm I'm off. Um, and I had some some people who went through some really horrible things, and I could have or should have been the person who's there for them. 
and I wasn't. And so they were hurt by me. They were hurt by the church, and uh, I missed some opportunities. So then, of course, I swung the other way and was like, okay, well, I'll be available anytime. And um, I remember taking a, a call in the middle of the night <laughs> and like going somewhere. And then it just like it hurting my family and realizing afterwards it wasn't the emergency that I thought it was. And, and realizing I had I had moved into hero complex and like I was the savior. So I'll tell you where I'm where I'm kind of landing now um, is I'm willing more or less to take phone calls in general. Um, I have a few clients that I have to draw more strict boundaries because they'll call me very often and it's not an emergency. Um, now I have the benefit as a therapist of saying like these are billable hours. I'm going to charge you to call me, which uh, is nice. Um, but as a pastor, I think you could do a similar thing. Hey, you know, when it's an emergency, you you coach the social thing. Like when it's an emergency, I'm there for you. If you call me and it's not an emergency, um, I'm 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 going to take the call the first time. But if you continue to do it, um, like I'm going to draw a boundary and say you can't. I'm not going to pick up the phone when you call. Um, and I think we can do that um, so long as we give an alternative. So I think to me, in fact, very recently I had a call that was borderline an emergency and the person wanted me to do something that would have been an emergency service. And so what I said was, I'm not your emergency service. Here are the phone numbers that you can call if this is life or death. I will be there for you at this time, like our regularly scheduled time. Because I'm your ongoing support. I'm not your emergency service. I'm not the hero. I can't save you. I can't even keep you safe, to be honest. I don't have the ability to keep you physically out of danger, um, at least not sustainably. So if you're in in an, a true emergency, you need to call the proper authorities. And here's the number. Um, here's what you need to say. And, and I walked them through on the phone that. And then uh, I prayed with them and I hung up. And I think that that's... A healthy boundary. That was a healthy boundary for me because I gave them a legitimate, not like a like. Sometimes we give referrals and they're they're not so helpful. Um, they send send somebody to like we haven't checked and vetted the site ourselves. But um, so to me that that's important. I'm not the savior. I do want to be there for ministry settings. I want them to know that I care. I do. I I do take phone calls. I don't always show up in person because it's just too expensive for for myself and my family. So uh, that's that's kind of where 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 I'm working through those boundaries myself. So I'm not mm. swinging so hard on the pendulum. Yeah, and it's interesting hearing you say that a couple of years down the line, just training to be a therapist myself and having done ministry before, and knowing that exact same thing has happened to me, and I've made some of those same mistakes, and then swung um, on the pendulum. I remember one time I got uh, somebody who was really hurting, and I invited them to visit the church while I was working, and they called the church and like came to my office and then my supervisor kind of came in and was like, Hey, that you're meeting one-on-one with a student privately in your office. Like I know they're hurting, but that's just, you know, the rules at our church or that's not appropriate. And then I swung totally the opposite way. And anytime a student wanted to talk to me about anything, I thought, well, I can't get in trouble. So if you come to the ministry night, (laughs) I can talk to you for these three hours and then I can't talk to you at all. Mm. And uh, yeah. And so being able to to find that balance in between the two for yourself and for the specific um, people you're working with, people you're seeing at church, students or congregants that you have, I mm-hmm. think is very, very useful. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, what we're talking about for ourselves is just as pertinent when walking someone through the holiday season. 
it, it, that is like setting boundaries is so critical during the holidays. So a lot of the stress that people are experiencing is because there are not proper boundaries. And so like they're going to go home and they're going to get pressured and they're going to they're going to give into the pressure. And so um, I think it's really important as ministry leaders to give people permission to set healthy boundaries and to say like, hey, you know, if there's a tradition that that's damaging to you or that's hurtful to you, it's actually okay to not participate in a tradition or to create a new tradition or to talk to people about like reinterpreting the tradition or, or, or whatever. Um, like I think one of the most helpful things we can do around the holidays is help people uh, set and enforce boundaries that help keep them safe, sane, and inspire confidence in them. Like if you can set a boundary with your mom or your dad, you can set a boundary with pretty much anybody. And I don't mean that in a hurtful way. Tell your mom I'm not coming to Christmas because you're mean. Um, like maybe, like, but in a in a healthy, thoughtful, prayerful, getting wise counsel kind of way, um, sometimes those boundaries do need to be enforced, and they they give you permission to avoid abusive, hurtful, damaging, re-traumatizing situations. And, and as ministry leaders, it's really important to, to give people permission to walk through that, to, to set those and to be there to hold them accountable to it or to support them when they don't. Um, so I think boundaries are one of the most helpful, healthy conversations we can be having right now. What other things, Noah, like I know you, you have a list of, of ideas that you've used, um, to help people during the holidays? What, what, what do you do to connect with them really concretely? Yeah, you know, I, I think that I am sort of my personality really likes to dream and to think up like these huge extravagant ideas. And the more and more I've gone through life, especially just with interpersonal relationships, I've just realized that those big life-changing ideas are, are not the best way to reach people and to make them feel seen and to make them feel loved and to make them feel like a part of a community. I find it's often the smaller things. And and so that can be something as simple as an invitation or honestly, during the holidays, something as simple as being willing to be that vulnerable person who reaches out and starts a little bit more of an intimate conversation saying like, hey, I know this is a really tough time for people. And I, I just want to know, like, how are you doing? You know, like, what is going on and how can I be praying for you? Or is there anything you need from me? And and being willing when you ask that to provide that prayer and to provide, um, you know, fulfillment of that need. So, I mean, that can be anything from, yeah, I mean, having a conversation, being willing to invite them into your community if they don't have one, whether that means saying to your family, like, hey, I know we usually do family dinner on Christmas, but you know, this person feels really isolated. They either, like you said, can't get back to their country, can't get back to their home, or that's just not really a safe place for them. I'd really like to have them over and be that spot. Um, and what I think is great about the holiday season, no matter what holiday people are celebrating, is naturally it's a time where gathering intentionally is encouraged and things like gift giving and community events and charity are sort of a part of the general culture. And so if you're somebody who's a little bit nervous about inviting, you know, strangers into your home or even just approaching strangers to, to have a chat with them. I feel like it, it's sort of natural to say like, hey, you know, this is about community. This is about being together. And I'd love for you to come uh, be a part of this little community. It sort of takes some pressure off because it's just a natural part 
of the season. And I think what's great is we can use those opportunities to springboard into creating new, longer lasting relationships. Have you seen that before? Are there certain things that you do around the holidays or a list mm-hmm. of things where you say, you know, here are four or five things that I think always work in trying to encourage somebody in a relationship? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually would defer to my my wife is really amazing at taking some of these holidays and making them invitational, um, making them community. So I, I like one of my very favorite things is that she's rebranded Valentine's Day as Love You Day in our house. And so uh, everybody writes uh, reasons they love other people uh, on and we actually put them on hearts and stick them on each other's doors. But we do stuff like that for, it's not just our immediate family that's a part of that. Um, so it's not weird or romantic because it's part of family culture now. Um, and so other people will receive our love you notes and um, and and not uh, and not not feel like we're, <laughs> we're trying to start something romantic with them. They're like, oh, it's the Jacksons. They just love you. We did the same thing for Lucky Day in uh, in March. I don't know. Some other people have another name for that holiday, but um, just reasons that we're lucky to have you in our lives. And and so I think, you know, um, there's creative uses of these things. This is literally incarnation season, right? It's like the season where Jesus came to earth and showed us his humanity. And, um, and so there's this incredibly beautiful thing about realizing the humanity of the people around us and seeing like, you know, you are an image bearer of God. He put his image in you, and I value you. Um, and so trying to send that sort of message, I think, is really, yeah. really important. Yeah. You know, I, w- I wanted to comment really quick. I talked a lot about inviting. You talked a lot about affirming. And I think one great thing is that no matter who you're talking to, you can do one of those two things. There's a lot of reasons people may reject an invitation, and you can still affirm them in that by, I mean, respecting the rejection, saying like, hey, I totally understand, but I'm here for you if you need it. And that can be affirming. And then, you know, I've found in my life, both receiving and giving, that even after something, an invitation has been rejected or somebody said like, I don't feel comfortable with that, there's still, I mean, you send a text saying like, hey, I know you couldn't come today, but I'm still thinking about you. And, you know, I hope we can get together soon. Even giving a small gift, even like just continuing to follow up with them there are still ways like you said to affirm them to let them know that hey i see your humanity you're really valuable and i just want you to know that without needing to push whatever our agenda is because if our goal is for ourselves rather than to care for somebody else they can feel that we're still able to do things like you've mentioned to let them know hey we're thinking about you we appreciate you we love you yeah yeah so um i think to 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 bring it all together, I think this is a season where it's really important to see the value in other people and in ourselves and to give permission to do good self-care. I think as ministry leaders, it's a season where you can get hijacked, you can get over busy, you can um, you can get pulled into the, the crazy traditions or or whatnot, and it's okay to take time to step step back and self-soothe, like calm down, um, so that you can self-care, and that's not necessarily selfish. <laughs> and I think um, walking through, you know, people in our ministry through that same process, it's a, it's okay to self-soothe so that you can self-care, so so that you can um, really engage with these holidays and not get beat up by them, and and to kind of draw those boundaries and that sort of thing. 
And that's not necessarily selfish. It actually helps you care for others better too. So I think I, I would I would be thinking about that. My, I am thinking about that myself. How can I do that well for me, self-care during the holidays, and and then help other people to do it as well. Um, and, and do that in, in the context of community, seeing the value in, in people as Jesus clearly demonstrated he did. So as we've been talking today about making it through the holidays, you've heard us bring up the idea of creating a roadmap a couple of times for both leaders and people who are struggling during the season. I think choosing to be aware of what you feel and planning where you want to go will help you survive and even begin to thrive this holiday season. So we want to offer you something that can help you do that today. It's an actual roadmap with stops that's a guide. It's going to walk you through some of the biggest questions and challenges you or others might be feeling during this time of year. There are seven steps so you can do it all at once or space it out over the course of a week. You can use it personally or send it to somebody you know who may be struggling during this season. To get that roadmap, go to rallypointmen.com podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link where you can download this resource and you can get others that we've created just for you. And if you like what you heard today, we'd love it if you would rate or review this podcast because when you do that, you empower other leaders to find tools that will help them to support others. And also, we want to hear from you. We'd love to know how this episode has helped you or what challenges you're facing that we could cover next. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach out to us by emailing us at hello at rallypointmen.com. Thank you so much for listening.